0: Moses 1, a literary masterpiece. Many great waters and Moses' mission to baptize. Moses 1, 25 and 26. Book of Moses, essay number 43. By Book of Mormon Central Team with Matthew L. Bowen and Jeffrey M. Bradshaw. In the immediately preceding set of essays, we focused on the narrative of Moses 1 and its interpretation. However, beginning with this essay, we will turn our attention to some of the beautiful and meaningful ritual allusions, and literary details of the chapter. One of the most striking and neglected motifs in the Book of Moses, and for that matter in the Old Testament, is that of baptism. The truth that baptism was taught from the beginning as part of the doctrine of Christ constitutes one of the most precious teachings of the Pearl of Great Price. As we have discussed elsewhere, the Book of Moses describes how the names, titles, and aspects of the mission of Jesus Christ were known since the time of Adam and Eve. Vestiges of these ancient teachings survive in Jewish and early Christian tradition. The Book of Moses situates references to baptism within the primeval history between the creation of the earth, including the creation of the great waters, and the uncreation and recreation of the flood. Heading up the descriptions of the events of creation and the retrospective references to baptism is the heavenly ascent of Moses. Following the defeat and expulsion of Satan, a motif that precedes baptism in some ancient Christian sources, Moses' interview with God resumes, and God promises him, Thou shalt be made stronger than the many waters, for they shall obey thy command, even as if thou wert God. Below we give an overview of the references to many waters and great waters in Scripture, and show how similar symbolism is associated with the bronze sea of Solomon's temple. Then we will show how Moses, Enoch, and John the Baptist reenact this same symbolism as they fulfill their mission to baptize. Many Great Waters in Scripture and in the Symbolism of the Bronze Sea of Solomon's Temple The many waters, or great waters, found throughout Scripture correspond to the great waters gathered together as sea, including oceans, rivers, and lakes. In fact, the Moses account of creation describes them as such, and I, the God, and I, God, made the firmament and divided the waters, yea, the great waters under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so, even as I spake. Likewise, the creation account in the Book of Abraham designates the gathered waters on the earth as great waters. Isaiah's ter- use of the phrase "waters of the great deep" or "waters of the mighty Tehom" is semantically and conceptually associated with the phrase "maim rabim." many waters, or mighty waters. Herbert G. May long ago connected Isaiah 51, 9, and 10 with texts like Habakkuk 3.15, where Habakkuk uses many waters in parallel with the sea, Yam, the Ugaritic Canaanite deity, Yam. Quote, Thou didst walk through the sea with thine horses, through the heap, or surging, of great waters, many waters, Mayim Rabim. He also notes that in Habakkuk 3.15 the many waters are associated with the rivers and the sea which Yahweh fights and conquers with divine power and authority, even as Baal struggled with the sea and river in the Ugaritic myth. In the Book of Mormon, the collocations many waters and great waters both appear. Moreover, Nephi defines the Lehite name Iriantum in terms of the many waters that they beheld from the shores of the land bountiful on the Arabian Peninsula waters which separated them from their final destination of the land of promise, and that they would thus need to cross. Using similar symbology, Jacob, the brother of Nephi, understood Isaiah's mythic telling of the Exodus event in Israel's salvation history as a metaphor for the Savior's atonement and his bringing to pass the resurrection of the dead. Jacob connected the primordial deities, or sea monsters, of Isaiah 51, 9, and 10 with Mot and Sheol. In other words, personified and deified death and hell. Quote, O oh, how great the goodness of our God, who prepareth a way for our escape from the grasp of this awful monster, yea, that monster, death and hell. In other words, mot and shale. Second Nephi 9.10 And because of the way of the deliverance of our God, the Holy One of Israel, this death, in other words, mot, of which I have spoken, which is the temporal, shall deliver up its dead. End of quote. And both Nephi and Jacob understood Isaiah's mythic language as ritual language, equating the way, Hebrew Derek, through the sea, Yam, in the Exodus, as envisaged in Isaiah 43.16 and 51.9-11, with the way of the doctrine of Christ, or the covenant path, which included the ordinance of baptism. The many waters of the great waters, Mayim Rabbim, gathered and subordinated in the creation and the sea, defeated by Yahweh in the Exodus narrative, appear to find their ritual and architectural realization in the bronze sea, or brazen sea, also called the molten sea, that stood in the outer court of Solomon's temple. Regarding that bronze sea, David Calabro asserts, While there is no evidence that the temple labor was used as a baptismal font, it was definitely large enough to suggest such a use, and Joseph Smith's specifications for a baptismal font modeled after the Solomonic labor for the Nauvoo Temple shows that he understood it in this connection. Of quote. The purification that preceded entry into the holy place in the temple corresponds to baptism and receiving the Holy Ghost in what Nephi called the doctrine of Christ. Moses' mission in drawing Israel out of the great waters. The dual ideology for Moses' name, given in Exodus 2:10 and Moses 1:25 through 27, both looks forward to his divinely appointed mission in which he will be made stronger than many waters and defeat the sea during the exodus, and also backward to the creation of the great waters by the word of God's power. A comparison of Moses 1:25 and 26 to Exodus 2:10, the Song of David parallel text, and Isaiah 63:11 helps us recognize and more fully appreciate the interrelationship between the name Moses and the act of drawing or pulling Israel out of the sea or many waters. Exodus 2.10 And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses, Moshe, and she said, Because I drew him out, Meshitihu, of the water. Psalm 18.16 and Second 2 Samuel 22.17 He sent me from above, he took me, he drew me out, Yomshini, of many waters, Mayim Rabbim. Isaiah 63.11, New Jewish Publication Society edition. Then they, or he, remembered the ancient days, him who pulled Moshe, his people, out of the water. Where is he who brought them up from the sea? And then Moses one twenty-five and 26. And calling upon the name of God, he beheld his glory again, for it was upon him. And he heard a voice saying, Blessed art thou, Moses, Egyptian, meaning begotten, Hebrew, Moshe, Drawer, or Polar. For I, the Lord Almighty, have chosen thee, and thou shalt be made stronger than many waters. For they shall obey thy command, even as that if thou wert God. And lo, I am with thee, even unto the end of thy days, for thou shalt deliver my people from bondage, even Israel, my chosen. Each one of these texts attests the name Moses, Hebrew draar, puller, compare with Egyptian begotten, and the image of divine birth or delivery from water. The phrase many waters in the Song of David and Moses 125 constitutes an important lexical link between these two texts. Realizing that the Psalms were the hymnal of the Jerusalem temple would suggest a ritual dimension to Psalm 18:16. He sent from above, he took me, he drew me out of the many waters, and the similarly worded Psalm 144, 7, send thine hand from above, rid me and deliver me out of the great waters. The image of the divine hand from above may in addition suggest a symbolic or ritual gesture. Significantly, the term Mayim Rabbim could also be translated as mighty waters. Thus, one way of reading the Lord's promise to Moses' calling to deliver Israel is that he would be made mightier than mighty waters through his priesthood. Indeed, it is Moses' power in the priesthood that allows him to overcome the waters, as described by Hugh Nibley, This is the De Profundis, that is, the 130th psalm, out of the depths I have cried unto thee, O Lord. With similarity to the Egyptian myth of Osiris, the, quote, final test is the baptism. Moses is delivered from the waters and comes out, end of quote from Nibley. In the typology of such tests, the righteous are raised in glory while the wicked drown and perish, quote, Thou didst blow with thy wind, and the sea covered them, and they sank as lead in the mighty waters. Moses experience. Some experiences something similar to the Jonah the prophet, who when swallowed by the fish, quote, for three days and nights, and in the midst of the seas, yamim, or yam, the and the floods, compassed him about, he cried out of the belly of hell. Assaulted by Satan's rage, quote, Moses began to fear, and as he began to fear, he saw the bitterness of hell. Nevertheless, calling upon God, he received strength. Just as the Lord answered Jonah's prayer and brought his life up from corruption, Moses defeats Satan through the Lord's strength, strength which the, which the Lord subsequently promises would reside in Moses himself. Quote, thou shalt be made stronger than many waters, for they shall obey, obey thy command as if thou wert God. Because there were many waters there. The foregoing provides the necessary backdrop for understanding the symbolism of the place where John the Baptist encountered his disciples. And John was also baptizing in the Anon, near Salim, because there was much water. And they came and were baptized. This statement, like so many words and images in the Gospel of John, constitutes a double entendre. To be sure, John baptized in Anon, or Enaim, double spring, because water was abundant there meaning that there was water sufficient to completely immerse an individual. However, it appears that John also wished to draw a connection between the waters of baptism and the many waters in the extant scriptural tradition, and to draw upon the Old Testament symbolism and typology of that image. If the collocation, many waters, seems too dramatic, as a description for the springs in Anon, which are near the Jordan River where Jesus was baptized, though the river itself remains unmentioned in John 3. Perhaps this should be taken as further evidence that John is using this description to evoke the many waters, great waters passages from throughout the Psalms. Jesus' baptism was much more than a ritual ablution. He was baptized in the River Jordan because baptism requires many waters that are overcome or defeated by divine power, priesthood power, as an essential aspect of the typology and symbolism. Conclusion In the figure of Moses, a salient aspect of baptism symbolism thus emerges. The one who baptizes acts, quote, as if the baptizer were God. The baptizer, having earlier been drawn from the water and made stronger than the many waters, draws or pulls out others, and in terms of the ritual, makes them stronger than the many waters. The many waters, or great waters, ultimately obeyed Moses' command, even as if he were God obeying the same divine authority with which one baptizes, namely the authority through which one draws or pulls from the many waters. In light of the pattern exemplified in Moses 1, it is no surprise that Enoch later states that the Lord specifically called him to baptize, And he gave unto me a commandment that I should baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son, which is full of grace and truth, and of the Holy Ghost, which beareth record, of the father and the son, end of quote.